This is Paul Schneiderman today on the 37th edition of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio. Today I have a very special guest. I have an author, speaker, commentator, and Washington State University professor, Dr. David J. Leonard. Uh, professor, I'm going to go back to you and describe you further in a minute. Just want to give a couple plugs for my station. Uh, today I have James Gerd as my producer. I want to mention there's a lot of great things going on here at Rainier Avenue Radio. We're based in Seattle on the World Wide Web. Our sports department also has Rick Dupree's great show, one-on-one with Dupe, Granville Emerson, and Ronald Laurent, also known as Pepe Bean, hosts are the co-host of a fun show, Lidline Sports. Mazvita Mazari Marare is the host of Seattle Sports Weekly. Mark Bryant is a fitness-based show. And Pat McCarthy is hosting this new sports show at the Seattle Metro Conference. Well, Professor Leonard, uh, I'm going to give you more of an introduction here. Uh, Professor Leonard's been at Washington State University since about 2008. He works in as no, a professor. Actually, 2002. 2002, I'm sorry. Uh, please forgive That's me. That's all right. Uh, you work in the Department of Critical Culture, Gender, and Race Studies. Um, you got your Ph.D. from Berkeley. You got your undergraduate degree at uh, UC Santa Barbara. I believe you also got a master's degree, Professor, at, uh, at UC Berkeley. Uh, Professor Leonard has written extensively on the cultural and ethnic aspects of sports. He's published several books that include African Americans on television, racing for ratings, after our test, the NBA and the assault on blackness, commodified and criminalized new racism in African Americans and contemporary sports. I just finished uh, Professor Leonard's 2017 book that's generated a lot of publicity, Plain Wild White, Privilege and Power on and off the field. Um, very interesting book. It gives the reader a lot of perspectives, whether you agree or disagree with all of it. Uh, Professor Day, we're going to learn more about your work, your career, and we're going to get your thoughts about all sorts of stuff involving race and culture. We're not going to get anything today. We're going to have a fun conversation. Well, Professor Dr. David Leonard, thank you for coming on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio. Thank you. I'll, I'll give one correction. Please do. Uh, one of the realities of, uh, of higher education these days is is our 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 academics homes are, are changing uh, constantly. It's it's uh, we, we change more than uh, than sports teams move uh, conferences in uh, college sports. And so I'm now actually our 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 uh, department became a school, uh, and we're the school of languages, cultures, and race. But I appreciate the introduction, and I'm excited to be here on the 37th uh, episode, which I think is fitting. Given that Meta World Peace, formerly Ron Artest, um, was number 37, and so it fits with, with the book I wrote um, entitled After Artest. So well, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I love the coincidences of life, and I've been doing the show now since July of 2017 and learning by doing. And, you know, we're going to have a pretty, we're going to have a fun discussion today, Professor, but a pretty serious discussion about race and sports. It's not all going to be about going to the beach and the joys of eating macaroni and cheese. We're going to get into some serious stuff. I think it's going to be very fun and provocative. Well, Professor Leonard, as discussed in your introdu- in the introduction, you received your Ph.D. from UC Berkeley, and you've had a special focus on comparative ethnic studies. Tell us what led you to embark in this very interesting journey where you've had a special focus on race and privilege in the world of sports. Um. And this is a, a, a many-hour um, story uh, that kind of traces my trajectory. Uh, but I, I will say I, I had a series of experiences uh, that, that shaped 
um, not only my uh, academic trajectory, um, but my kind of personal journey. Um, and those, you know, included uh, being mentored uh, by uh, a variety of people, including Dr. Harry Edwards. And so when I was at, at UC Berkeley, uh, I, I, I had the opportunity to work with him and he was one of the first people um, to, to, to kind of bridge um, my work uh, on, on, on race, um, on the history of racism in this country. Um, and that, and that interest again, long story, but, um, when I went off to the university of Oregon, um, I had a series of experiences where I began to think about, uh, race, um, and inequality. And then I quickly returned back to Los Angeles right around the LA uprising in 1992. And these kind of set me on, on the pathway. And then when I got to UC Berkeley, uh, Harry introduced me to, to a world of, of sports sociology and I actually didn't do my grad work in, in sports studies but when I got to Washington State um, I had met I had a mentor here um, who was doing work on race and sports and it kind of um, set me on that pathway and I think um, as you as you noted in the introduction um, this is serious conversations and and the importance of sports um, and the history of race and sports uh, points to, to, to what we can do in our writing and our teaching through sports. And so I think these important conversations can be had um, in relationship to sports, and, and that's part of my work. Well, very interesting background, and you mentioned a very well-known sociologist, Dr. Harry Edwards. And for my listeners, Dr. Edwards has written a lot on sports and sociology, so thank you for sharing your connection to a very well-known man, Harry Edwards. Well, David, this is something we hear a lot. We hear a lot of people say this. They say, well, African-American athletes and people of color and the major U.S. sports leagues are making a lot of money, getting great endorsement deals. A lot of people say, where is the racism in, in sports when you have athletes of color getting good endorsements, making a lot of money? What's your response to that general comment you hear from people? Well, I, I guess I would say that race and racism shapes every institution in our lives. And, and so it would be um, naive um, as well as uh, historically inaccurate and, and um, certainly outside of, of countless research to say that, well, race matters in these other places, but not in sports. Right. Um, it, mat it matters in the language um, that, that we hear, uh, the descriptors of, of, of athletes. It matters in terms of access to different sports. When we look at, for example, the high schools in, in um, various cities uh, and then compare them to the high schools in, in suburbs um, and thinking about how race and class operate in these spaces, and then look at what sports are, are, are available in these spaces. Race matters there. It matters in terms of who, who are the coaches, um, who, who are the general managers, who are the owners. Uh, it, it matters in, in the many ways uh, that stereotypes persist um, and how that shapes, you know, what, what 
uh, many sports scholars will talk about in terms of positional segregation. So the, the ascendance, and I'll just end with the example of the ascendance, actually the ways that we want to cite um, Michael Jordan, the popularity of Michael Jordan or the success of, of Tiger Woods um, or the you know, storied career of Serena Williams speaks to how race operates because these sort of uh, the, their careers and their place within not only sports culture but society as large um, become a moment where, where we as a society want to say, look, race doesn't matter. Look, we're beyond race. Um, never mind their own experiences. Never mind um, the larger realities of race. But the fact that we cite their ascendance and their success and their financial um, place as evidence of colorblindness, of post-raciality, is really evidence of how race matters. Um, just as people wanted to uh, cite the 2008 election as evidence that race no longer matters, that the election of Barack Obama proved that we'd moved beyond race, um, didn't prove that. Um, and I guess I would say those sort of arguments have uh, kind of fallen on their face uh, in recent years. And so uh, I think it's an important reminder to think about why why we want to cite these um these, these examples um, as proof of post-racism rather than addressing uh, the persistent ways that race shapes not only the playing fields, but the press boxes and society as a whole. Do, do you see, Professor, do you see sports in America any less race-neutral than other industries and, I don't know, events in America? Um, it's a hard question to, to answer because race is so integral and central, both historically and today, to every institution. And so it plays out in, in different ways. Um, the, it, it matters, you know, how it, how it manifests itself in, in Hollywood. You know, we just think pop culture of Hollywood versus television versus sport is going to be different, but race matters. Um, not only matters in terms of its organization, uh, in terms of how we talk about it, uh, but it's, but it's what it teaches us, um, about, about race, what it teaches us about, um, the history of, of racism. Uh, and so, yeah, I think it's hard, it's hard to think about it in those terms that I think, we have to kind of push ourselves to think, like, what are the connections between these different institutions? What does it mean um, that if we look at the descriptors of football players, uh, both by media commentators but also in scouting guides, um, are racially distinct, that, that the way in which black black football players and white football players and Pacific Islander football players are described are distinctly different. What does it mean when we look at how those descriptions um, shape schooling, shape job employment, shape the criminal justice system? Uh, and so I think it's important to look at those, those linkages and to think about how 
um, our stereotypes and our language uh, seeps into these different spaces. Well, a lot of stuff there, Professor. We're not going to solve them in this interview. A lot of fascinating stuff. This is Paul Schneiderman, host of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with noted sports author and professor, Dr. David Leonard. Um, professor, in your book, Plain Wild White, which I finished this week, very interesting book. I recommend it for my listeners. It came out in 2017. And you frequently use the hash mark term, Plain Wild White, in your book. Can you tell my listeners what you mean by plain while white? Um, so the book came out the, when, um, sorry, I'm hearing an echo. You're fine. Uh, so when, when I started writing the book, I was thinking a lot about racial profiling. And so I was connecting to these larger discussions about driving while well black. And so I wanted to think about how we tell stories, how we narrate sports. And so the idea of playing wall white was a way to talk about privilege and the way in which we describe and narrate the experience of white athletes. So do you, do you, you generally feel then, Professor, that a white athlete has most of the time more advantages than an athlete of color. Does that come with playing time issues? Uh, expand on that a little bit, Professor. Well, the book is mostly talking about media narratives. So the way, for example, I, um, I, have, I have one chapter that talks about leadership. Right. And the ways that media commentators and media stories will talk about uh, leadership in particular ways for white athletes that will, for example, celebrate Tom Brady yelling at his teammates as evidence of his competitiveness or evidence of his leadership um, in ways that black athletes are not afforded. And so those are the kind of privileges that I'm talking about. We could certainly talk about the history of positional segregation in, in football and basketball. Uh, the way in which black athletes have historically been stacked into certain positions. We could talk about, as I mentioned before, uh, white athletes or white students really having access to sports like lacrosse and swimming um, in their high schools and that we don't see the same diversity of sports in, 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 in the high schools that are disproportionately overwhelmingly black and and Latino X. Uh, so there are different ways that we can think about privilege. I mean, one of the other examples that I talk about is this idea of redemption, that, that white athletes, uh, when we look historically and in today, that when white athletes have, uh, you know, whether it be on the field or off the field, indiscretions or, or even are accused of crimes or, or even com convicted of, uh, of crimes or, or misdeeds, uh, in in sports or outside, there, there's a pathway for redemption that it becomes a moment to talk about the comeback, to to talk about second chances, to talk about growth, and so these are the ways that that I want us to think about playing while white. And then just lastly, um, another example you can think of is the way in which we attribute a t intelligence uh, um, 
playing the right way, uh, that, you know, being a quote-unquote textbook basketball player um, becomes a way that we talk about white athletes in ways that we don't celebrate the intelligence or the, the athletic IQ or the IQ um, of, of black athletes in the same way. And so these are all examples of the way in which uh, whiteness results in, 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 in privilege. Well, you threw a lot out there. It's some fascinating stuff when I asked you that question about how you define plain while white. And I'm, you know, I told you off the air a little bit that I play a little devil's advocate. Do you think there's some situations, David, in 2018, this era, where maybe a, a white basketball player, a white football player may be stigmatized? Well, I mean... The question would be, are they stigmatized for their whiteness? Um, and then we have to think about, like, what is the larger context? Um, and so is it about their whiteness? Is it, and is that also connected to things that are privileged? So, for example, uh, I talk about uh, white wide receivers in the book, um, who are often celebrated for their intelligence and being gritty and right. being hardworking and all sorts of, you know, really racialized cliches. Part of that narrative is also denying them their athleticism um, and saying that, that they don't, you know, have speed. And so what we see with race is race operates through a binary. And so, these ways that whiteness are imagined and blackness are imagined feed off one another. And so I guess we have to think of it in those terms. So the, the, the narratives are very much interconnected. I don't know if that answers that. No, you, a lot of insights, a lot of good insights. You know, you mentioned Tom Brady a minute ago, and you wrote about Tom Brady in your book, Plain Wild White. This is Paul Schneiderman of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with acclaimed uh, author and professor David Letter Leonard. And you write about Tom Brady in your book, and you suggest in your book that if Tom Brady were black, he would have been in worse shape. But there's no doubt Tom Brady definitely got punished. Is it your position he would have been punished worse for his allegations um, if well, he were a person I, of color? I actually don't get into hypotheticals because I, I think they're a, 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 a kind of a useless exercise. Okay. Um and so I guess the question is, I don't know, because because Tom Brady's life and his, uh, you know, whether it be his experiences in high school or his experiences, uh, you know, going through Michigan, like my experiences growing up in Los Angeles or going to Berkeley, they're all shaped by race. They're shaped by race and society. Uh, so whether he was punished or would have been punished differently, uh, you know, in absence of his whiteness. I mean, his whiteness shaped the discussion around Deflategate. It shaped um, how it, immediately thereafter um, there were individuals who were like, well, even if he violated the rule, it's a dumb rule. Uh, or... If he's going to be punished, he shouldn't be punished this much. Um, or those who said when he was punished, well, he was punished only to send a message uh, 
that the league was going to punish its white star given ways that the league has punished uh, African-American athletes. Um, and so I, I think it's important to think about how race shaped so much of the reaction um, and, it, and as well as the redemption that was afforded to him or the way in which he was uh, labeled as an underdog. And, and so Deflate Gate be, became part of this underdog story. And I don't know about you, but if you look at Tom Brady's story um, from the high school that he went to in terms of uh, having access to, to a quarterback coach, to being uh, afforded a scholarship to University of Michigan, to being drafted, I wish I could be an underdog like that. I, w- I wish I could, and I'm sure there's, and, and, and I'm a privileged middle class white kid who grew up in Los Angeles and was afforded all sorts of opportunities and privileges. And so the idea that he was this rags to riches story um, deserves some reflection and, and, and why we want to see him as such. Well, there's a lot there. I, I get you back one day. I'd like to ask some more questions about Tom Brady and all sorts of other subjects. Paul Schneiderman again on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with Professor David Leonard. Professor, real quickly, write about the quarterback position in your book, Plain Wild White. And there was an interesting New Yorker piece about Josh Rosen. He happens to be a Jewish-American, Caucasian, and how the, there's a stereotype of the quarterback being like the Brett Favre kind of guy, the perfect-looking white Christian kind of guy. Do, do you think that African-Americans and other people of color are being discouraged from playing the quarterback position. Elaborate on that for a minute. So there's a long history. There's a long history in terms of uh, what I talked about, positional segregation. There's a long history of black athletes uh, being pushed into other positions or black football players that are set being pushed into other positions. And the, article that you mentioned was really fascinating because I think it I thought got so too. at this idea of how we define and imagine this quarterback um, and how race and ethnicity and religion and sexuality uh, fits of how we imagine the person um, fulfilling this role. Um, and so there were questions raised in terms of whether the critiques of Josh Rosen, uh, whether people didn't see him as the quarterback was tied up to his Jewishness, um, that, that the arguments and, and these arguments um, can also be seen with, with black uh, NFL players uh, who talked about going to med school or, uh, Myron Roll, who is a Rhodes Scholar. But you have these players who are described as, as not being about football, that their lives aren't about football, that they have other interests. Um, actually, this has been a critique directed at Serena Williams and Shaquille O'Neal back in the day, um, that, that the lack of uh, single-mindedness is a source of critique. And with Josh Rosen... Uh, it very much played into these longstanding stereotypes about 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 Jews that that his focus was elsewhere and not on football that he lacked the requisite toughness. 
I, and I thought it was a really fascinating article because it linked that to a larger history of, of black quarterbacks. I do, too. And, and lastly, the article does a really nice job and also um, encouraging us to think about the privileges that he's afforded, that his critiques uh, uh, of the president of the United States, um, his discussions about exploitation of college uh, athletes, his discussions about race, um, while raised some issues with people, he was not critiqued in the way that black athletes have have been critiqued, uh, have been told to shut up and play. And so it's this fascinating reminder of, of intersectionality in the way in which different identities interface in, 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 in unique ways. Fascinating analysis. Your analysis on the quarterback is fascinating. I agree with you. I thought that New Yorker piece earlier this year was, was very interesting about Josh Rosen. Real quickly, Professor, believe it or not, we have about two minutes left, so I'm gonna, I want you to give me a quick answer on this. The Baseball Hall of Fame discussion comes up, and Roger Clemens, Alex Rodriguez, Barry Bonds have been linked to, linked to performance-enhancing drugs. Do you think Clemens as a white guy is given preferences at all in the Hall of Fame discussion over, say, Bonds or Rodriguez? I've never seen it. Am I naive? Am I missing something? Specific to the Hall of Fame, I mean, one of the things that's interesting, and this is where we get into the complexity of race, is in the case of Clemens, um, if we looked at the, the, the individual narratives, there's surely uniqueness in each case, and race is going to matter. But also with the Hall of Fame and steroids, they're also treated as a group. Right. Um, and so just because Clemens also has not been um, admitted into the Hall of Fame or voted into the Hall of Fame doesn't mean that race doesn't shape the conversation about performance-enhancing drugs and steroids in particular ways. And I'll just say one of the elements that that, that is important to add to the discussion about performance-enhancing drugs is the way that the history of racial segregation in baseball um, should influence our discussion about performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, yes, in the 1930s and 20s and before, there weren't performance-enhancing drugs per se. Professor, I hate to cut you off. Segregation Professor, was... Hate- a performance enhancer. Great insights. Hate to cut and, you off. We got less than thirty seconds left. What does the future so hold? For- I just think race plays a significant way in in all of our conversation, and we need to reflect in in important ways. Uh, real quickly, what's Professor Holt the future hold for Professor David Leonard? What's the future hold? Yeah, what's in the future uh, for continuing you? Continuing to do this work and have these important conversations with with like you, I think uh, as we've seen. In, in recent years, sports matters uh, beyond the field. I really enjoyed having you on Sports and Stuff, Professor. That's you and I stay in touch. Thank you. Thank you.